We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks from KCSN, which features three shows each week in Border War, hosted by former Jayhawks guard Jeff Hawkins and Mizzou forward Jarrett Sutton. Ain't no seats with Ryan Reinhardt, Anthony Bax, and Braden Turner, and Booth Review, covering Jayhawks football with Kent Swanson and weekly special guests. Make sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Stay up to date on all things KU with KCSN. And now, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome into Ain't No Seats, folks. We're here to talk about Kansas um, beating a top five team in the country. But, A.V., have you heard of our title sponsor, Enprise Bank, before? The very the very one, yeah. Did you know you can open an account with Enprise Bank in like five minutes now? It's crazy. Uh, savings just start there. Enprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. Shouts to Enprise Bank. Been with us since the start. Um, so yeah, go work with them for all your financial needs. Let's let's talk some Kansas basketball loops, though. That's right. Um, obviously, we're going to touch on the Texas game a ton. I don't know how much we'll talk about Iowa State. Obviously, that was a stinker up in Ames, the old Hilton Magic. Um, but Texas last night, obviously... Huge win for KU. They would have been out of the Big 12 race, I think. They would have had to win out probably or maybe lose one more to even share. And we know how good Bill Self has been against top five teams in Allen Fieldhouse. He's 10-1 and now against top five teams in the Fieldhouse. And he's 36-0 and on Big Monday at Allen Fieldhouse, which is one of the craziest stats ever. Um, it shows you how good of a coach is, uh, how good of a coach he is, but it also shows you how good he is at getting his guys ready to go getting them prepared, good game plans, and things like that. So Bill Self, undoubtedly the best coach in the country. Yeah, I mean, they're not putting KU versus bottom team in the Big 12 on Big Monday usually. Those are usually like prolific matchups. So 36-0 and in games at Allen on Big Monday is pretty insane. Is it 10-1, 11-1, whatever it is against top five teams? That is, that's just a stupid stat. Like that doesn't, I can't comprehend. Like you that, think most That's just at Allen though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, no, that's they, ESPN had a graphic that said eleven and one. Adam, our guy Adam Sullivan, um, went and did research. He said ten and one, so I think it's ten and one. Um, but you would think eleven games, like even seven and four, would be insane, or six and five against the top five, like one of the best teams in the country. Obviously, you're playing a top five team, so shows you how good Allen Fieldhouse is. Shows you how good um, 
Bill Self is obviously. So last night was my own loss. No, I was I was gonna ask you that. I didn't know it. I was gonna go try to look back and see, and I can't even think of who it might be. So I I haven't fact checked this, but I'm like ninety nine percent sure in my mind. I think it was early January 2020 year when we lost to Baylor on that like Saturday morning. We that might be it. Smoked. Yeah, that was, was uh, awesome. One of the one of the few games KU lost that year. Dot left in the first half with an injury. They let yeah, they lose again the rest of the year. That was when Masio Teague was hitting threes and throwing up the cell phone. Um, but last night was wild. Um, obviously, because Jalen Jalen's been so good this year. He's averaging twenty two going in the I think twenty two and eight or twenty two and nine, which is stupid. Um, and it's so funny because I'm a big, I don't know about you, but I'm a big like football reference guy and basketball reference guy on mm-hmm. the, the old internet where I get on, look at numbers, stuff like that. And was just going through Jay Will's game logs and he had, his season low was 11. And so he was at, let's see here, 23 games to open the year in double figures. And his season low was 11 against Indiana, which is another good team they beat at the field house. Um, shout out Bill Self again. But I was sitting there just thinking, I was like, Jay Will's going to score in double figures every game. Like, he's going to have to, first off. And he's obviously an elite scorer. I was like, I don't think he'll score less than that all year. And if he does, we're in trouble. I said that literally yesterday before the game. Jay Will scores two points last night. Didn't get in any rhythm. He was in foul trouble at some points of the night. He scores two points against the top five team in the country where Jay Will had been just carrying us. Even in the losses, he kept us in it. He had 38 in Manhattan where we ended up losing. He had 30 against TCU where we got blown out. 23 against Baylor, uh, another loss in Waco, and then he had 26 at Iowa State Saturday, and KU scored 53. He pretty much had half the points. So literally two days before this game, Jay Will scores 26 in Ames, and we score 53, and everyone's melting down. And then last night, he scores two points, and KU has probably six guys, five, six guys that step up. And so I was gonna, I tweeted it. I was going to ask you, if, I, if we got on the pod after the Iowa State game, which we would have been – our fans were melting down. We would have been a little, little down on this team if I would have said, hey, two nights from now or whenever we recorded, Jay Will's going to have two points against a top five Texas team who has two losses in this monster of a conference. How, what are the percentages Kansas wins this game? I would have given it like 1%. I tweeted about it too. I seriously would have predicted like or predicted a 30, 40 point win for Texas. I mean, it, it's all you have been points? asking the same I mean, question. If I said over under... 61 points. Jay Will oh, way under. Two. How many points do we score? Way under. I mean, we and I know it's in Ames. It was a Saturday morning, but like 53 points in a conference game, what, 60 hours before last night's game tipped off? Like that big of a turnaround, it's just crazy to me. But I don't know. It, it was. It felt like a completely different team. They What they shoot, they, they probably shot more, but they only made two threes. Yeah, I think both Grady hit both. Yeah, Grady hit them both. One was so pretty late, which it was getting a little. It was getting a little tight there. He hit one. We got two offensive rebounds. Yep. Um, and Grady hit one from the corner, which was huge. The game was getting tight, getting a little nervous. Because, like I said, you lose that game, you're three back in the league, and you still have a bunch of tough games left. Like even mm-hmm. we'll talk about the next two, but they're at both Oklahoma schools. You're three back from Texas. You still got to go to Texas. Like the odds of even sharing it at that point or slim and we would probably would have been i don't know the fans obviously would have melted down there probably would have been uh, it would have affected seed line too i know ku's we'll talk about bracketology in a little bit but 
if KU loses last night, what do you think Lenardi, what line does Lenardi have them on? I think, I want to say he had in his little note that he tweets out every day that if KU had lost, they would have dropped down to the three. Three? Um, That's not bad. But yeah, I think they're pretty locked into a top three seed at this point as long as they don't just completely collapse. I mean, they what do they have? I I know last week they had two more quad one wins than anybody else in the country. Yeah, I guess uh, they got ours. another one last night, but I don't know if anyone else caught up. So they're either two or three up in quad one wins. Like they're they're going to be a good seed in March. Yeah. Do we want to talk seeding now, or do you have more? I just no, I just I know KU fans would have melted because the Big Twelve race obviously means a ton to us. Like just the history, they have so many conference titles, the fourteen straight. Um, Big 12 titles, and everyone obviously wants to win it extra this year just because, for one, um, the league is insane. There's so many good teams, so winning it would say a ton. Um, and then just losing another game at Allen would have been tough. But the thing that impressed me was that they pretty much controlled the whole game. I thought in the first half they could have been up more. They it was they were up 10, could have got a shot uh, near the end of the half. KJ turns it over. They come down. Marcus Carr hits a three. They get it to seven. I was feeling a little nervous. Because Jay Will just didn't look right now right, last night, and I don't know if he was worn down a little bit. He'd been like, I just read off his numbers. The dude had been scoring thirty it was points a, a night. Truly, a historic bit. run from him. So yeah, I think our fan we would have seen a little meltdown because I mean we went on the three game losing streak, and then they found a way to beat K State and Kentucky, and then we go to Ames and just look terrible. So I don't even really want to talk about that game. I just Bill Self didn't even seem worried, and last night just again, shows you how good Bill Self is at getting his guys up and ready. Like, he wasn't nervous, and I bet I can't even imagine what he was saying, how many times he called them soft and how they needed other guys to step up, and that's exactly what happened last night. Like, Grady was so good. Grady played, I don't know how much you really paid attention to this, but Grady played with a little, like, swagger and cockiness. Mm -hmm. He was talking a little shit, and he was as good as he's been in weeks, I think, personally. He had 21, he was 7 for 11, hit both threes, so... I thought Grady was great from all three levels from an energy yeah. standpoint. So I thought I, he was pretty good on defense too. Like that, and that's obviously not his strength. And someone from the Athletic put out an article with an anonymous quote saying that he can't guard whatsoever. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair, he's like our fifth defensive option. But maybe you know, that was like, the article. A play that I remember. Yeah, well, because last night cool. personal. But no, there was a play toward the end of the game where he was guard and whoever drove on him he just stuck with him the whole way knocked the ball out of the end and I think it led to an easy like transition bucket it might have been the same play that Juan had that sick pass to Joe who we'll talk about because Jesus we gotta talk um, about both of those guys it off but yeah Joe Joe made me laugh a lot last night and it was like hard for me to to watch because every shot he took I was like Joe what are you doing like slow down a little bit but he kept making everyone he took so it's like I didn't know how to react to him it was nice to see someone off the bench actually come in and make like a significant impact on the game because I feel like we've been lacking that for all season, really. It was so funny because it was one of those things I wanted to tweet about, but I didn't know if like anyone else noticed. And then our boy Rye obviously isn't on the pod tonight, but he was tweeting about it. And I looked at the I looked at his tweets after the game and was dying laughing because I wanted to tweet about that. And there was one where I think he made a layup and then came down and he dribbled himself the entire mm-hmm. possession. No one else touched yep. it. And he pulled up from 17 or 18 feet. And my eyes immediately go to Bill Self. And his hands were on his head. And he, I'm sure he was all red-faced like he gets. And I am i don't know if he yanked Joe right away. But he probably didn't because Joe was so good last night. But he was so funny. And the confidence was obviously incredible. We Because we, we've been saying that. We need guys off the bench. 
And even last week after they beat K-State, I don't know if it was K-State or Kentucky, but we talked about Joe and Ernie, Ernest Uday specifically. Those two, we need a backup big to be solid coming in for KJ. If he gets in foul trouble, if he's not playing well, and we need a guy that can score, a spark, because we were talking about him or Bobby, and Bobby's great. We think he's going to be so good. Bill thinks he's going to be so good. He's a stud, but we need a guy that can come in and be an elite scorer, instant offense, and Joe can do that. He proved that at Drake. This whole offseason, that's all I heard um, was that Joe was just filling it up, scoring. So we needed that performance from those guys, and that's going to be huge for them going forward. Joe had 14. He was 5 of 9, 4 for 4 from the line. He had five boards and was just an incredible spark mm-hmm. off the bench for KU. And then Uday, I think that was exactly what he did against K-State. I was reading off his stat line then. He played like 10 minutes, came in, didn't miss a shot, got boards. Last night, 8 minutes, 3 for 3, 6 points, and played with a ton of energy. So I wanted to hear... Your thoughts on the bench last night and just what we need from the bench going forward. Yeah, Ernie, and I, I'm going to sound stupid here because... Like you're on the Ernie I, train. Yeah, need it. I can't remember exactly the stretch that it was, but there was a stretch, I think, late in the first half where I, it was like 90 seconds, two minutes. He was the best player on the floor. Like, he had a block shot, went down, had a dunk, and then had like a hustle rebound or something, like back That's to back to mean. back, and it was sick to see. And on that note, and on like while we're talking about the bench... One of the most successful lineups we had last night, somehow, some way, was with a Dewan, Joe, Grady, McCuller, and Ude. I think so. Yeah, I remember them being out there for a good span, yeah. a good chunk of time during a t- like a huge stretch of the game where the game got tight, and they were all fine. Dewan didn't make any mistakes. Joe took some crazy shots, but he also he got that pass from Dewan, which was insane. We'll talk about that, and he dunked that. It's crazy how he leaped there mm-hmm. Joe and then the crowd went crazy that crowd was elite last night you could just hear it on TV it's one of those games I wish I was at but so yeah Joe I just I love listening like even if I'm watching at home I'll try to turn on the radio or go in my car listen to Bill talk after a big win or a terrible loss because the terrible losses the shitty about them being soft and not guarding it's so funny but when they win a game it's it's hilarious how like complimentary he can be so like all day, I've just been thinking about what he was probably saying, and it was probably a bunch about Joe and Ernest, and obviously about Grady, Dewan, and K- and um, Jay will not scoring at all. So I've been like trying to do impersonations all day, obviously, and I guarantee he was like, "Well, well, Jay will didn't score, it, uh, uh, but we didn't need Jay will to score it." And then in Ernest, and then in uh, uh, Joe was terrific off the bench. I thought they were great. I thought Joe played with a ton of energy. And then and Grady was as good as anybody. Uh, uh, Grady made a ton of shots. Grady finally gorded somebody a little bit. And then and Dewan. Dewan, well, Dewan's as good as any point guard in the country, even when he's not scoring. But but uh, when he's scoring, he's better than anybody. So so we love Dewan. And I just kept I just kept thinking about what he was saying because think about it. I bet for months he's just been waiting on a performance from these guys to step up outside of Jay Will. Like Jay Will. Man, there's been so much. Feels like there's been so much riding on him this year in Manhattan. He scores 38, doesn't get the ball late. They end up losing, which you score 38 and you lose. That has to piss you off. So I bet Bill's been waiting for a performance, especially from some of the starters. Like Kevin's had some tough goes at it. Dewan's had some tough nights. Grady's had some tough nights. He's a freshman, so you expect that. But especially from the bench, like the starters, yeah. But the bench, he's been waiting on bench production all year. He's been rotating guys in, like Zuby will play. Cam Martin came in for a few minutes. Clements will come in. 
He's tried Bobby. He's tried MJ, who was solid last night too. But he's been waiting on good performances from the bench for a while. Yeah, it's and it's you know about time it showed up because you know we've harped on before. It's been all Jalen for, I mean, most of the year, but especially the last month or so. Um, but it's, but it did like, and I tweeted about this too. It was very refreshing to watch. Like it gave me a lot of confidence going forward that this wasn't going to be a second round loss and look back. And we think of this team as like, yeah, they were whatever. Like, it was more of like a national championship hangover. You know, it's fine. But like last night, just seeing it all happen, all the guys contributed, kind of re-triggered. Like, fuck it, let's go back to the Final Four again. Let's go win another Natty. Like, I don't think that's off the table. And college basketball seems wide open. So, uh, yeah, it's you know, like we've said a million times, nothing but positives to take from last night. There is one thing though. Can we like have an intervention with? Grady and McCullough specifically. They just, they commit the dumbest fouls you'll ever see sometimes. I mean, it really is frustrating to me. Like, McCullough at the end of the game, you're up eight, nine points. Why are you going in to tackle a guy from his side while he's shooting a three? Like, they had a four-point play, and the McCullough fouled another guy on a three, like, two minutes later in the final five minutes of the game. Obviously, it didn't have an impact on the game last night. But holy shit, man, this isn't a one-time thing with these guys committing fouls that it's just like, just think about it for a second. Like, don't if they're already they're going to score regardless. Don't give them a little tap. Let them shoot that guarded three. Don't dive into them. Like, like just chill out a little bit. I got yeah. I got a few funny things on that because first off, um, shout out DraftKings. But oh. I was I had a I took under one fifty five at half, and then like a minute in, I took under one fifty six, and then I look later, and it slowed down a ton at one point. It was at like one forty five. And so, or close to 150 or something. So I was looking good. They scored like 50 points in the last eight minutes. So yeah, that span there. I know you've watched games with me where I gamble on them. I was melting down. They fouled on two threes. Ended up being like 168, 88, 80, which is crazy. They scored 88. Jay Will had two. That's bizarre. Um, And then with Kevin McClure, I love him. He Obviously, he plays hard. Um, He's a winner. But that, in his mind, he has never fouled anyone in his career it's the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life and i'm not even harping on kevin um but every time he fouls he's like he pulls the lebron like except like he doesn't run after the refs like lebron after foul calls but he's never fouled in his career but yeah grady grady i that was kind of a weird call i thought on marcus carlay where he got the and one layup he went mm. on right hand on the left side he jay billis said he like arm barred him on the back but it didn't really look it felt like one of those fouls where refs call late because the team's losing. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, those fouls were tough. I don't know why they're fouling three-point shooters. I bet, once again, Bill was red-faced. But He looked livid. <laughs> I love when he gets fired up, starts punching the scores table and stuff. But, yeah, I wanna, we got to definitely got to talk about – we haven't even talked about our guy, Dewan. He was so good last night. And, obviously, there's, there's teams that will sag off him. That was also in the athletic um, that teams will sag off. He, I think he, the guy in the athletic said – you probably you don't need to sag off fully. Like he obviously can hurt you a little bit deep. And Dewan, some of those times I feel like he just pulls threes because he's wide open. And I don't know if you agree with this, but it felt like Dewan from a confidence standpoint last night was at an all time high. And lately he's just he's been pulling, he's been shooting around the rim. He's been making he made a crazy tough layup with the left mm-hmm. um reverse layup. Um but he was so good last night and I was looking at his Box where he took 16 shots last night. Yeah, I think he was eight of 16, and 
I think um, two games ago, he, he took 12 shots. He hadn't taken more than 12 shots since the season opener this year. Um, and so if I would have, before the year, if you told me DeWan was going to take 16 shots in a game, I'd probably say, which I hate saying this, I'd probably say we'd lose, but I'd also think you were insane. Yeah, that's I that actually stunning to hear. I didn't see that many shots. Um, but yeah, he was great. I mean, everywhere. Offense, defense, transition, passing. I mean, it was just... Probably like a master class of a Dewan that we've seen many times. Maybe not as consistent as we'd like. Had a tough little month there, but he did. I mean, shit. If that's if he's playing, and obviously every time he plays well, I think we say the same thing. Like we're not going to get that from him every single game, but if he can do like seventy five percent of that, we're going to be in good shape. Just don't have the game where you go zero for seven and you have one point and mm-hmm. three fouls, four turnovers. Like, yeah. He was just perfect. The pass he made to Joe, you mentioned it earlier, was like, it blew me back. I was sitting there kind of on the edge of my seat, and it just threw me all the way back as far as I could go. Like, it doesn't make sense some of the things he can do with the basketball. And he just makes it look like so routine. And he try. It's, it's like that cute kid when you're growing up, and he's like, he does something cool in his Little League baseball game, and he's trying not to smile. And everyone's like celebrating around him, and he just like breaks it. That was the one last night. Yeah. Like after, he's just... I know. Yeah. I love the kid so much. Yeah, he's great. And I was saying that earlier is we're so, our fans are so tough on him when we lose. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, Dewan can't score. But then when he wins and he has like four points, everyone's like, oh, Dewan's the best in the country. Right. But when he doesn't score and we lose, they're mad. But when we win and he doesn't score, they're pumped and think he's the best. And he's so good defensively and he gets everyone involved and he controls the game as from as a point guard standpoint. But last night, Eight for sixteen from the floor, fifty percent. He had seventeen points, six rebounds, five assists, and then four steals. And it looked like he was in his bag. Defensively, kind of reminded me of the UNC game where he ripped RJ Davis mm-hmm. from behind. Um, but he was taught he was kind of getting in guys' faces um, and showing a little emotion, which he doesn't do at all. But he was so good last night, and Bill Self so good at developing point guards, but also keeping um, faith in his PGs and keeping them level-headed and keeping them going. Like DeWan had a, well, we talked about it, two for 18 over a four-game stretch. He had five points in four games. And not only that, but he was turning it over, making bad decisions. He had one or two questionable turnovers last night, but Bill Self and his point guards, it just, it blows my mind, man. Like DeWan, the way he's progressing, even as a scorer, he's not an elite scorer yet. But shit, could he be not elite? But he could, I could see him being a good scorer next year, averaging double figures. Get he could the team in scoring his senior year. I mean, if I told you that about Frank Mason and yeah. his sophomore year, like no one would have thought that he was going to win Naismith Player of the Year. Yeah. So we go from him, we go from Frank, Devontae. Devon was so good. I feel like people just forget about Devon because he wasn't around for a while. We didn't win a ton in the tournament, which got screwed by COVID in 2020. Just thinking about the point guard since Bill's gotten here and the, how they all progress. Um, Tyshawn even. Everyone called him Tyshawn Turnover. Tyshawn still talks about that, about when they came back from Maui against Duke. But the way he can just develop point guards, it's, it's as good as anyone. The way he can develop bigs is crazy. Just the way he can develop, it's best in the country. But Dewan was so good, 8 for 16. And then, obviously, we talked about Joe and Ernest. I think KJ, his performance last night, is kind of being slept on. Just looked at the box where he, I, I had no idea, but he had seven offensive boards, which... Texas's length and their athleticism was something we were all worried about. We thought it would be a tough matchup. So how about your boy, K.J. Adams, with seven offensive boards last night? It's just great to see. I think, did he have a couple of them late right before that Grady three? 
I think he had, we had two on that possession. I think he had one. Mm -hmm. That's just a crazy number though. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. seven free possessions from one guy. Yeah. If you want to put it that way. So I don't know. He's just, he's going to be slept on forever, but he's just, he's been so good for us this year that I don't really have much more to say about him. Like, yeah. And he's my guy. He's going to be our guy the rest of the year. Unless if he's not going forward, like the primary big, that's probably a good thing because it means Zude has like gone nuts in his progression, but like, yeah, it's going to be KJ. We know how to self coach. For sure, KJ. And I don't see, I don't see Ernie going nuts. And I don't think we don't need him to go nuts. Mm -hmm. We need him to be, like I said earlier, you come in off the bench, give KJ a breather, play hard, rebound, don't foul set screens, finish dunks, make layups. That's all we need from him. And that's what he's done from the last week since the K-State game. He was pretty solid even in Lexington when Zuby left the game with an injury. And I think Ernest has taken advantage of that with Zuby leaving. Feel bad for Zuby, but Ernest has been solid. And I think KU fans kind of get in the habit where you get a five-star recruit. He comes in, he's not playing well, and everyone starts questioning it. They start looking at his ranking out of high school. They start wondering why he's not playing well. And you just got to, like, in Bill Self's system, these guys wait. They wait their turn. They learn the system. They come in, play well. That's a guy. That's what KJ's doing right now. That's what Dewan's doing right now. Um, so you can't expect Ernest to play 20-plus minutes and come in and mm-hmm. get double-digit boards, score 10-plus points. So we can't expect a ton out of Ernest. If he does what he's done the last few weeks, we'll be just fine. Even if Joe does that too, Joe and Ernie, and then our starting five. That's really all we need right now. Bill, we talk about it. He gets his rotation down to seven. So I'm pumped about that seven right now. Um, and I just, it's one of the most bipolar KU teams I've seen in a while. And I can't, I can't figure them out. Like at, you, you're worried, at K-State, they obviously had a chance to win, but you got Jay Will as 38. No one else really stepped up at all. So you worry after that game, and then you come home against TCU, you get blown out of a, of a TCU team, one of the best teams in the country. Jay Will goes off, and everyone's starting to worry about the team. Um, and then they find a way to beat K-State, Kentucky. Everyone's back, back all in. And then you go to Ames and play one of the worst games of the year. You turn the ball over a ton. You score 53 points. And then two days later, your guy, who's one of the best scorers in the country, scores. he's averaging 22 a night. He has two points, and he beat a top-five team in the country that's loaded with talent. And you control the game. You should have won by double digits. They put up 88 points. Um and so Texas now never had a lead. Yeah. And so now I'm I think I'm all the way back in because you found a way to win that game. You you give a ton of players confidence. Dewan, McCullough, we didn't talk about him. He had 16 points, which 10 of them came from the line, but he had six assists. He's been rebounding it really well. And then Joe and Ernest should have all the confidence in the world, which might make Bill nervous about Joe having that much confidence because he's gonna start pulling from 20, 25 feet. But I think that was such a massive game for them, for the coaching staff, obviously, to step back. And I'm sure they have confidence in the guys, but step back and realize that they can win games without Jay Will putting up 20, 25 points a night and from a fan base standpoint. So I think I'm all the way back in right now. Yeah, I would agree. It's like I said earlier, it was just good to see. Um, You want to take a quick break and then hop into some like next steps for KU and bracketology shit? Absolutely. Hell yeah. All right, we'll be right back, folks. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All the way back in, um, still Jay Will's not going to have a night like that again, which is another thing that's exciting. A guy that's averaging 22 a night. We said it, I've said it 100 times, scored two, and they beat a top five team in the country. Um, but yeah, let's get into, I want to talk about the Big 12 race a little bit, and then we get into bracketology. I was just going over the race, um, obviously last night, and I just looked at it today. Obviously, about to get te- goofy. Yeah. Texas wins that game last night. They're at nine and two. KU would have been at six and five, which I kept looking, obviously, on the scoreboard on the bottom of ESPN. You see the ranking, you see the record. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at six and four. And I'm like, dude, if we if we lose and we're six and five in the league, like fans are going to melt down first off. But I don't know. Have we ever seen KU be at anywhere near six and five in the Big 12 race, like close to 500, 11 games Maybe. into the league race? Maybe the first year we did this, I can look at it really quick. But uh, with Diedrich and yeah, because we were out early. But uh, yeah, well, Texas. I mean, would, I can do the math. Yeah, if you want to fill it, I'll do the math and see if it ever got that bad. Yeah, if Texas wins that game, they're three games up on us. We would have had to go to Texas at some point. Um, we obviously have the tough games at the Oklahoma schools. We got, we still got to play Baylor at home. So we would have been three games back. It would have been tough to share Texas. I don't think we could have caught Texas, honestly, no. because we would have had to go to Texas. I don't know if we win that game. That's going to be a tough environment. But, yeah, just looking at the Big 12 race, Texas 8-3 and three at the top of the league. Iowa State, they're 7-3, and three, so they haven't played as many games as Texas. They're at West Vaughn tomorrow, um, which will be a tough one. It's always tough in Morgantown. And then if they got- you let West Vaughn win that game, 
and it's what, like five or six teams within one game of the lead in the Big 12, halfway through like that. That's fascinating to me. That's a crazy end of the year. I was also thinking about this. We talked about this. We've talked about this on the show many times, but this feels like the time of the year where we're really locked into these Big 12 games where we're cheering against certain teams. Like it felt like a week or two ago, I wasn't even, I didn't even really care because it just plays itself out and everyone's got to play a gauntlet and they got to play so many more teams. But like tomorrow feels like a game that I'll be locked in cheering for West Virginia. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not saying Iowa State's going to win the league, but they're obviously up there near the top. They still got to go to K State and Texas. So they got to go to Manhattan, Manhattan and Austin. KU's at seven and four, and then you got TCU, K State, Baylor, all at six and four. Looking at Baylor's schedule, they have an absolute gauntlet. It's insane. I don't know if you've looked at it. They got to go to TCU. They got KU at home on the final day of the season. They're at K State. They got Texas at home. They're at Oklahoma State, which they're not amazing, but it's weird. That's always tough at Gallagher Iba, and then they have mm. Iowa State at home. K State has TCU, ISU, Baylor at home. Um, and then TCU's at K-State, Baylor, KU, Texas at home. So everyone has to play a gauntlet, and I'm just sitting here thinking about last game of the regular season, KU at Texas, like how many... I mean, how many... I, just thinking about the Big 12 that entire day, I'm not sure who all plays, but so many stakes are going to be on the line for that game, for shares, for maybe outright, and it's going to be a tough one at Aust- or at Texas in Austin when we already beat them. Um, so that's going to have huge implications that final day of the year. Yeah, and it might come down to that because I'm just looking at KU's schedule right now. They've got a real chance to go and get hot really quick. Like They got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State both on the road. Those are never easy, but they're certainly winnable games compared to what we've just gone through. Like It does, it is weird to look at these two games as quote-unquote a break, but based on what we've played in the last month, it kind of does feel to. like a little bit of a break. So if they can get out of those two with two wins, they get Baylor at home. You'd like to think they're going to win at Allen. They go to TCU. Bill they're already Self- using really- to, losing to Baylor. Yeah, and Bill Self and TCU swept ever. He's gotten swept like twice, once, twice. I mean, it doesn't really ever happen. So got to think that they have the advantage in those two. And then it's West Bot home, Texas Tech at home at Texas. Could, so like, before win. that Texas game. Those are the two you, cannot, you can't lose. No, well, okay. You can't lose those two home games. What's West Ball ranked in Ken Palm? Do you know off the top of your head? They were 19 last I looked. 14. Shut up. It's insane to me, man. I don't know why he loves them so much. I haven't been super impressed by them. They have, they're three and seven in conference or something crazy. But for whatever reasons, the computers love them. It blew me back. Like they are, yeah, the- they're higher than, they're basically tied with Baylor. They're higher than TCU. They're higher than Iowa State. They're higher than K State. Wow. Like it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But they were I'm nineteen. To, have they been winning lately? Because they, they were nineteen last week. Yeah, three and seven in the league. Three and they seven started, in the Big Twelve, and they're a top fourteen team in the country on Ken Palm. They started zero and five in the Big Twelve, one and six. They've won three out of four, but it's been against Tech, home against Auburn, lost at TCU, and then beat Oklahoma at home by thirty points. So I guess that's impressive. But it's not like they've been beating K State, Baylor, KU, like. They're just, you know, beating teams they should probably beat. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad you brought up the schedule because I was going to get into that next. Um, obviously, we talked about the two games at the o, at the Oklahoma schools. I think there's been years where we lose at OU. I remember um, Frank's, I think Frank's junior year, um, the Buddy, Buddy Heald 
Buddy Heel beat us there once, I believe. Trey Young beat us there. I remember the game where they were hacking Doak. We actually beat Buddy that year with Devontae where he went off. Yeah. We swept them somehow. Enjoyable KU basketball games to watch. Um, but so it's always tough there in OSU for some reason. It's always tough, no matter how good we are. 08, they beat us. Um, Frank's 2017, they blew us out somehow with Fra- in Frank's year. Bill got teed up. It's always tough there. So I was thinking, honestly, I want to win. Like you hope to win both, but I feel like it's like those spread. Like I personally think that Oklahoma State spread, for example, can be like a pick'em or Oklahoma or we're favored by one or so just because it's on the road. They almost beat us at home. They were they scored forty five points in the first half against us, and we luckily yeah. won that game. So I could see that being a tight spread. You're dead on. I mean, Ken Palm's got us minus two at OU, and then wow. he's got Oklahoma State favored by a point against us. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the. Well, they're going to be tight. It's, it's going to be more like KU minus three and a half and KU minus two, but like no question, one of those games is going to be tight. We're not going right. to win both comfortably, and we could lose both. Honestly, they're on the road. Big Twelve, um, the OSU. I don't know where OSU and OU are NCAA tournament wise, but obviously KU's coming to town. They're going to get everyone's best shot, best crowd. So. Winning both would be massive because those aren't easy games. Like even Bill said, there's no bottom dwellers in the Big 12. Every game's going to be tough, especially on the road. So if they could win both of those, I'm feeling sky high. I think you split one of them, and then you got to beat Baylor at Allen. You can't lose any more at Allen. And so I think even two and two after these four would be decent, solid. We still have a chance. We'd be at what? We're seven and four in the league. We'd be at eight and we'd be at nine and six with three to go. Two and two would probably be tough. I uh, yeah, I don't. Three and one would be massive. I don't know where Mike Miles is at from an injury standpoint. We're looking not playing tonight. Okay, we're in a, we're looking pretty far ahead. Obviously, we're going to need Texas to lose. I'm, they got at Baylor at TCU. They'll lose one of those. Yeah. But we're looking ahead a lot. But three and one after this four game stretch would be incredible. I think two and zero oh in those at the Oklahoma schools, and you're coming home against Baylor. We're in great shape to at least share the league. Um, it sounds like we're kind of on a different page here. Uh, well, not with like what you just said, but do you, and maybe this is just me not being, you know, the Chiefs are still going on. So my mind is kind of like split between KU and the Chiefs, I'm but like, sure. are you that into winning the big 12 this year? Because like I was having this conversation. I think I'm just talking to the fans almost. Right. To the fans standpoint. And we were talking the other day, and Alan, I think, asked who we were cheering for, K-State or Texas. And they all said K-State because Texas would be, like, alone in first place and this and that. And it's like, like I don't know. I, I don't really care about that. Like, one way or another, we're going to be a one, two, or three seed unless we mm-hmm. just collapse. And um, I looked at the numbers. I think it was 23 times that KU's won a conference championship since I've been born. So it's not like it doesn't mean a whole lot to me anymore now that the streak's over. And I know that sounds super spoiled. And I don't want to come off that way. But it's more like focusing my attention. When we like when we lost Saturday to Iowa State, my first thought wasn't, well shit, how are we gonna get back in the Big Twelve title race? It was more like looking at the team itself, like, okay, well, they have a lot of places they need to improve if they want to have any success in March. I think I'm just more like looking towards that as long as we're set up for the tournament well. And obviously winning the conference sets you up for the tournament just naturally because, you know, yeah. you're going to get a one seat if you win it. But it's, like, it's not as devastating for me to lose games anymore because you still see Lenardi and Palm. They don't drop them below the two lines. So it's 
I don't know. It, to me, it's just like I'm not as into it. And maybe that happened yeah. when the streak died, but. And just getting older, like when you're, yeah. when you're at the school or you're in high school, like you take so much pride in it and every loss affects you and your Mizzou K-State fans are texting you every time you lose, like mm-hmm. that shit affects you and social media, they're talking shit and it affects you because KU, like being a spoiled fan or being a, being a prick kind of, but we don't lose many regular season games. So when we do lose our fan base melts down, but other fans give us shit. So I guess it's just like taking pride, but yeah, if we go 12 and six in the league and Texas goes 13 and five and they win the league and we're still a two seed. Um, and obviously you go 12 and six to in to, um, finish the big 12 to finish. If you fit, sorry, if you finish 12 and six in the big 12, obviously mm-hmm. you only lose two more. So you're going to beat a couple good teams the rest of the way. And you're going to have some confidence going in the big 12 tournament going into March. As long as they're peaking going into March, they're 12 and six and they lose the, lose the big 12 race by a game or so. Honestly, who cares? Like, yeah, you want to win the league because it's such a good league. It's an 18-game span where you have Allen Fieldhouse for nine of them, and so you feel like you have a great chance. But they finish 12-6 and six or even 11-7, and seven, which I think can be possible. You lose three more with seven to go. Um, it's possible, but I think we should all – obviously, we're all focused on the tournament. You want to win the Big 12, but with our body of work, we've beat – like teams like even Indiana and NC State have been low-key underrated teams wins for mm-hmm. us. NC State looks great. They're electric. That was a nice win in Bahamas that felt like they controlled. Um, they beat a Kentucky team. They beat a Duke team. So we have a lot of under-the-radar Mizzou. We have a lot of under-the-radar good wins. We're going to have a nice body of work going into the tournament. We have the best coach in the country. So we'll be ready to rock in March. Worst case, we're probably a three-seed at this point. Yeah, and then I guess we can maybe transition into bracket talk. Oh, I know. I, I ask this question every I, day. I looked at um, bracketology before this and immediately thought of you. I don't know if you've looked today. At Lenardi's? Yeah. Yeah, it's a cakewalk the Elite Eight. Well, have you seen where we are? Des Moines and KC. Yeah. yeah. Two in the Midwest. But that's what I was going to ask. Like, we're all on board with two in the Midwest over one in, like, New York City, right? Like, it's... Yeah. To me, that just feels, like, obvious. So I don't want to get too... Bu- and that's the other thing, too. Like, also, who would get the... a better chance. Who would they give the, like, say, obviously they kind of put the one seeds in certain places to, like, where they are demographically. I know sometimes it hasn't worked out our way. Shout out 2007. Um, but who would they put in the Midwest? Like, say we we're on the one line, who would they put over us in the Midwest? Houston? Houston, yeah. yeah. Um, Purdue, I think they're giving Purdue the South if they're number one overall because Louisville is pretty close to, I can't think of where Purdue is right now, West Lafayette. Um, that's not too far of a drive for that. It is, yeah. But so is yes, Louisville, New York City, Kansas City, and Vegas. I think or L.A. One of the two. I think Vegas. But yeah, I, we'd have to hop Houston because I don't think they're going to ship Houston unless they put Houston in like Vegas or something. But then we'd have to hop Arizona. Yeah. Like, I I would yeah, just so- much rather be comfortable at home, mm-hmm. never have to go more than three three and a half hours away from campus until the final four, and then you know just trust that more than oh we got a one seed and we have a slightly easier road which i don't really believe in i kind of yeah. feel like i'd rather be a two in terms of seating because i think mm-hmm. I don't know. and obviously like just from a fan standpoint like everyone's gonna want a one seat it just obviously yeah. looks great the one seat in the region it adds to bill self's resume but there's i mean being a two i mean there's obviously nothing wrong with being a two um 
we've been at we were two we were two in 2012 um a lot of two seeds lost that year tucker <laughs> um but yeah being a two obviously in kansas city which we'd have to win two games to get there we've done this before 2017 we don't even need to talk about that year and then we got our hopes up in 2019 when we got in the midwest but you obviously want to be in kansas city our fans are going to travel everywhere but kansas city is obviously a different animal um the crowd would be full of crimson and blue you want to be there iowa our fans will be packed there so you obviously want to be in the midwest regardless like I said, our fans, you're going to be a one. Everyone wants to be a one. You're supposed to get a better draw, maybe. I don't know if that it works like that. But if you're the last four seed, you might get a tough draw. Last year, we got a nice draw. We knew it right away. But being we a think two that, seed though, but it's was. like last year, the other half of the bracket was a 10 and 11 in the Sweet 16, and we had to play the four. And we all knew Providence wasn't the greatest four seed in the history of college basketball. But, like, shit just goes haywire that it's almost – to me, seedings matter in the first round, maybe the second round, but who knows what's going to happen. I mean, K-State went to Elite Eight because they didn't have to play a one seed when they were a nine seed. Like, shit just happens, goes haywire, you never know. And I was also going to ask this, is obviously there's some teams ahead of us, but the winner of the Big 12, like, if whoever wins the Big 12 outright, are they not going to get a one? Is it not going to work like, like that? Because they could lose a couple more. They could lose a couple more, obviously, and and they're going to lose a couple more. Texas will lose one or two more. And so teams are going to be losing games. And I guess that affects your resume a little bit, maybe not against a ranked team. But if a team's losing a couple more games and then Arizona or whoever, Houston, Purdue separates themselves, could they still be a one over the outright winner of the Big 12? I don't, I feel like Ryan has kind of been harping that whoever wins the Big 12 should get a one seed. Um, he might have even said one overall. And I don't really disagree, but. A team at the Apparently. bottom of the league is a top 15 team, <laughs> according to the metrics. West Virginia is the 14th best team on Ken Palm. Absolutely. They're 3-7 and seven in this league, and they could be 3-8 and eight after tomorrow night, and they'll still be a top 20 team in, on mm -hmm. Ken Palm. Speaking of Ken Palm, I was looking last night. There's like two or three teams total that fit the top 20 in both offense and defense, and I don't trust any of them. It's Houston. I don't really trust. It's... Alabama, sure, I guess. Yeah. And it's uh, UConn. I have zero faith in UConn. So <laughs> I think like, so, too. And it's I don't, it just feels like we say this every single year, but it does feel like really wide open at the top for college basketball. It and is. Teams that are at the top right now are not teams that you would normally think as college basketball national champions. So I feel like usually, usually by, this by this point, I at least have my own opinion on who I think the best team in the country is, at least the most well-rounded um, team that I can trust, especially guard play. I love mm -hmm. It's all about guard play in March, like guards that can go, guards that can score. And I usually have a team that I at least feel is the best team in the country. Um, last year, I think we all thought Gonzaga. Obviously, they were the number one seed. Um, but I, I have no clue where I'm at right now. I think Arizona's they can be really good. Sometimes they can stink. Alabama, they go to Norman and get stomped. Um, UConn was really good there for a while. Houston, like you said, they're so good defensively, so well coached. Marcus Sasser's an elite guard, but outside of him, they don't have really elite scores besides him. So I don't know where I'm at with best team in the country, and I think it's wide open. And I think last night should show KU fans they can obviously beat anyone, and everyone should be all in again. Uh-huh. Uh, you want one more break? Then we can... Chop it up about the Chiefs a little bit. Let's do it. All right, there's a big game this weekend. 
All right, we'll come back and we'll talk about that and wrap up. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Um, I guess this is the time where our KU listeners that don't like the Chiefs, I guess you can leave unless you want to hear Super Bowl talk. It's a pretty big game they do every year um, on Sundays, I think. And the Chiefs have been in it three of the last four years. Um, we're obviously super excited, anxious. The Bengals week took forever. It was the longest week ever. I think this week's going to rival it. Um, you know me with sports. I don't like to get my hopes up, so... I'm not getting too confident in the Chiefs. Um, I'm all over the place with this matchup because I think both offenses, I know both offenses are elite, one and two scoring offenses in the league. Eagles defense, and they've rolled in the playoffs. Obviously, Daniel Jones goes to Philly, um, and they they haven't played a good QB yet um, in the playoffs. I know Brock Purdy had been solid. He gets hurt. Josh Johnson comes in. So Philly's been rolling. They're a really good team. I want to give them credit, um, but they just they haven't faced – elite QB play. They haven't even faced great QB play, and they're facing the best quarterback in the world on Sunday, one of the best play callers in the world. So I think it'll be a tough test for Philly, obviously a tough test for us, but I wanted to see where you're at, um, where you're at for a whole, at a whole, what am I trying to say there? Where you're at for this game. I, I don't even know. I've been so back and forth. Like with the Bengals game, I just had like a confidence that they were going to find a way to win. This week, I don't really... I wouldn't be surprised with any result. I can see both teams winning by 20. I could see a close game that goes down to the final minute. Either team wins. Like, It's a fascinating matchup. Yeah. <clears throat> the way the Eagles run the ball and, you know, the up front, both Eagles and Chiefs, just it's just going to be fun to watch, man. I, yeah. I can never get enough of the Super Bowl. I think we could go every year for 20 years and I would never get tired of it. But well, There's no way you could. It's just a lot. It's hard for me to comprehend if if the Chiefs do win, what Pat has accomplished in five years' time. By age 27. Yeah. Two MVPs, two Super Bowls, probably two Super Bowl MVPs if they win. Quarterback quarterback wins MVP when they win the Super Bowl. That happened against – he was fine against San Francisco. Obviously, they they were trailing. The Wasp play saved them, but I thought Damian Williams had a good case to be MVP. But, yeah, you look at – Odds, obviously, Jalen Hurts and Pat are probably both plus one twenty or so to win MVP because the QB always wins it. You can see like a defensive play late, but yeah, if Pat wins or if the Chiefs win, you're looking at two Super Bowls, 
um, two league MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs by the age of 27. And the Chiefs are going to be, they're going to be even better next year. These rookies that are playing a ton are going to be in their second years. They're going to be improving. Veach has 12 draft picks to work with. He could create a ton of cap space um, this offseason. So it's kind of mm-hmm. scary to think about the future if they win. And obviously you don't, I kind of get nervous just because Jalen's a younger QB. They talked about him. Um, he was obviously in the MVP race. He's probably going to finish second. So I would hate seeing a younger QB get one and have the same amount as Pat. And I want we all want Pat to be – he is the best in the league. Everyone knows that. But I don't even want anyone to be in the conversation. Kind of like with Bill Self right now. Like It's yeah. nice to know that – He got the second. really argue against it. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. like, And he doubled – Pat would double up every QB in the league. He'd be at two – Mm-hmm. He'd be at two rings, obviously Lamar, Joe, Josh Allen. Who else am I missing? Herbert. None of those guys have one. And Pat would be at two. Burrow had his chance last year and this year. Um, but yeah, Pat would be at two and be doubling up every QB in the league, and he's at age 27. You know, all those quarterbacks you just mentioned, they won combined Super Bowl appearances. Pretty fun. Um, <laughs> Chris Jones is 40 to 1 to win Super Bowl MVP. That's the only one I think I would touch if it, like, if it isn't Pat, it isn't Jalen, like, I don't. See I just what... think it's you brought it up earlier, but I looked at it this morning. Damian Williams, had 107 yards rushing, a rushing touchdown, 29 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Receiving okay. touchdown put us up by four with two minutes left, three minutes left, whatever it was, and the rushing touchdown completely ended the game. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't enough, when Pat threw two picks himself, if that wasn't enough to take MVP from Pat, I just have a hard time thinking that another offensive player is going to do it. But Chris think, Jones is like swallowing up the run game and making it impossible, and he gets a couple sacks, and the Chiefs win like 24-16 or something like that, mm-hmm. lower scoring game. I I mean, 40-1 to 1 feels like it's worth a sprinkle for that. Kind yeah, of that. that's why. That's what I was going to say. I don't think there would be an issue with throwing a little flyer five, ten bucks on him to win 200 mm-hmm. or 400. Um, but yeah, like last year, I think Aaron Donald and that Bengals um, Rams Super Bowl, Aaron Donald made a case to win it. Cooper Cup obviously had the game winning touchdown catch, but I think Donald um, he made a case, and Chris Jones has taken over as the best D tackle in the league. And mm-hmm. Philly, obviously, their offensive line they're so good in the trenches. Jason Kelsey's so good, Lane Johnson, um, Landon Dickerson. So if he had a big, if he had a big performance against a really good offensive line and changed the game and made it really tough on Jalen, he got the no sacks um, monkey off his back last week. So I think he could just dominate, which he does. He's dominated in a ton of playoff, even the San Francisco game, batted a ton of passes down. Jimmy G made it tough on Jimmy G. So he changed that game in the fourth quarter, and I can see it. I mean, maybe Pat plays average or he doesn't, he throws a touchdown or so and throws for 200 yards, and Chris has a game ceiling strip sack or has like three or four sacks, I think he would he could make a case for sure. And Chris Jones, I think that's another thing too, is like if he wasn't a league-wide name, I think if it was like a random player, they might not win it, but everyone knows Chris Jones and he's one of the best D tackles mm-hmm. in the league. So I think if someone like that has a huge game, he could potentially win MVP. Do you think he would have won MVP if last week was the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think I mean, he would. Mahomes still put up sure. 325 and two touchdowns. Yeah. So that's, what's, that's another thing too, is Pat's the face of the league. Right. And he was on he was on a bum ankle. He puts up that performance, the touchdown to MBS. He sealed it on his feet. So it would be tough not to give it to Pat because everyone's talking about that being a legendary performance. Obviously, he scrambled for the first down um, on the hurt ankle. So that, I, I don't probably not last week. Pat still would have got it. But if he had a like decent to 
below average performance, which he could. I mean, their D Philly's D line so good for for um, guys with double digit sacks. They got Slay and Bradbury um, in the secondary. Their secondary has been one of the best in the league. So he could have an average night, and Chris Jones could take over. But yeah, I'm I'm ready to see what the Chiefs' offense can do against this D line because we're good in the trenches too. Our O lines. One of the best in the league. We talked about that before we started the pod. Um, you got Creed, Trey Smith, um, obviously Tooney, Orlando Brown. We need him and Wiley to be really good on Sunday. And then I talked about the secondary. They're solid, but they haven't seen an offense like Kansas City's. And they haven't seen an offense even close. All Maybe year. Dallas. People keep uh, saying in the playoffs, but like the best quarterback they played this year. I think it was Rodgers, Rodgers, Goff, and Lawrence, yeah. and they all put up like thirty plus points. When and then, yeah, the Dak game on Christmas Eve. Yeah, like I think or whatever. Ke- Kellen Moore is a solid play caller. Um, they got rid of his ass. Oh, he's a man. He's with the Chargers now, but they That's they have kind of terrifying. Tony Pollard, CD, so they have some weapons, but like we do too. So I don't see obviously Philly's D is fine. They're really good. I think they could slow KC down a little bit, but what is really slowing the Chiefs down? I think the Chiefs could obviously they can score thirty plus, pack and throw for three hundred plus. Like that's just a normal day for the Chiefs. And I think the Eagles they obviously could slow them down a little bit, but I think the Chiefs are still going to be able to do what they want. Andy with a week off, we've seen it for years. He's one of the best ever with a week off. And I think that the, I think a, the thing that people aren't talking about enough is the coaching um, matchup. Nick Sirianni obviously solid. He got them to the Super Bowl. Um, but Andy Reid's been here. He's obviously one and two in the Super Bowl, but it feels like a one they need to get, a guy that used to work under Andy Reid, Pat going against a quarterback that's playing in his first Super Bowl. So it feels like the, we have the experience factor. I know the Eagles have been there too, but at the at the biggest position um, in sports, we have the advantage there. Um, I don't know. I think we're just as good in the trenches too. I think we've that Philly has weapons, Devonta Smith, um, A.J. Brown. But we saw a receiving core that was better last week with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, with Legereus Sneed out. Our rookie corner stepped up. Justin Reed stepping up. Um, our D-line has been as good as it's been. So I'm sky high in confidence just with the Chiefs roster as a whole. And I think this is a game Andy and Pat need to win. Andy would be 1-3 in, in Super Bowls. Pat would be 1-2. The things they would say about Pat in the offseason would be annoying, which I said that about Cincy game two. He found a way. I just think... Pat will be too much. I think our offense will be able to do enough, um, and their defense is good, but I don't think they'll be able to slow us down enough. Yeah, I think my gut tells me to take the Chiefs, but I, I genuinely don't know, man. It's I'm just, I'm just ready for it to be here. It's only Tuesday, and we're already getting takes out of Philly saying if Jalen Hurts wins, that you know what's the argument to take Pat Mahomes over Jalen Hurts if you're starting a franchise? So that was good to see this morning. And I, but, uh, I, I think we can play the no one believes in us card again because I really do. We're dogs, first off, and it feels like, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like a lot of people are picking against us again. I think everyone just thinks Philly is the most well-rounded, all-around team in the league, which is fine. I think people should have that opinion for sure, um, and it it could be true, um, but I don't I hate, I don't think you should bet against the best quarterback in the world, one of the best QBs ever, and I wouldn't doubt them again, and I think they could play that card again. Tom did it all the time with the Patriots. No one believes in us stuff just to get them motivated so I think they could play that card again I think they they definitely did played that card against Cincy Patton mm-hmm. had some comments after the game where he said like this isn't even a real number but he said what five percent of people picked against us to win yeah. or picked picked us to win 
So they played that card last week for sure, and they had all the shit talking from the Bengals. So there's not a ton of bullets and board material, but they're I I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it does feel like a ton of people are picking against them again. Yeah, I mean they're underdogs. How many times are you going to be able to see Mahomes as an underdog in the Super Bowl against a guy, a quarterback that we haven't talked about? has an issue with the throwing shoulder, and he's been errant with throws. He's been all over the place. So I think Spags can bring disguised blitzes with Sneed, Willie Gay, stuff like that. I think they can make it tough on Jalen. But, dude, it's your first appearance in the Super Bowl. Like, that's – I know Jalen's played in big games. He was at Bama, Oklahoma. Um, He just played an NFC title game. But, dude, those brights – those lights are obviously bright. I almost said those brights are light. Um, (laughs) For sure. But, dude, that's a tough – obviously, Pat struggled – to start the game against um, San Francisco. Um, he threw a pick to Fred Warner. He threw one behind Tyreek Hill in his first Super Bowl. So I think that first Super Bowl appearance could be nerve-wracking for Jalen. His shoulder, dude, he doesn't look good throwing it. We talked about it before the pot. He threw for like 150 last week, which he didn't even really need to throw it. But ha- most of his yards went to Devonta, Devonta Smith um, early in that game, which he didn't catch the ball. So... I think it could be tough on uh, Jalen Hurts on Sunday, and if Kate, if the Chiefs stop the run at all, I think we roll. Like yeah, their rushing attack is crazy. Running, yeah. It's one of the best in the league. I think their offensive line creates so many holes for them. Uh, Miles Sanders, Jalen's been running it well this year, obviously, but he hasn't been effective lately. So I think if we're able to even, we don't even need to completely stop the run game, just limit it a little bit. That rushing attack's crazy. If we can limit the rush. Rushing attack for Philly, make Jalen uncomfortable and make some tough throws um, to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. I know they could maybe use those guys around the line of scrimmage to help him a little bit, but I think if we can limit the rushing attack, make him make throws and beat you with his arm, I think the Chiefs have a really good chance. Yeah, stop the run, put pressure on them. I think they got to be bringing pressure all night. Just trust your corners one-on-one, maybe one safety over the top, and really slow down the run, make Jalen beat you with his arm. Cause yeah. Sounds like you're in the same boat as me. I don't really trust if if the Chiefs can stop the run. Like I don't think there's a formula for the Eagles to win the game. But I agree, and I'm I'm nervous. I'm already anxious, losing sleep for the game Sunday. Um, I I want Pat to get a second ring. I want I want all of them to win, but obviously I want Pat to get a second, Andy to get a second, another parade in KC. Um, fun episode with you talking KU beating a top five team we're all the way back in again we'll see if we're all the way back in after the two games at the Oklahoma schools the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Super Bowl Sunday for the third time in four years should be the last four years maybe the last five years but let's not take it for granted enjoy every second because how hard is it to get there you got to win minimum of two games um, sometimes three games if you play in wild, wild card weekend obviously the AFC title game is really tough to win We've seen that before. We've given up leads. So it's so tough to get there. And I think Chiefs fans have gotten spoiled at some points. They melt down over regular season losses. We melted down after being up 27-0 against the Broncos, and they made it a game. Season was over at that point. Um, but, yeah, dude, this is incredible. Like, there's, I've never – we'll never see this again. Obviously, Mahomes has a ton of time left. But after the Mahomes era, we'll never see anything close to this again. No. Um, one more thing before we get off. Just a big shout out to our guy Reinhardt, huh? Yeah. I was gonna Watching open the show weekend. with that. Yeah. Hot. So he's not on tonight, he had to work, but yeah, seriously, shouts to Ryan and Hannah. Yeah. Engaged yep. couple, newly engaged. Yeah, it's amazing. I, we love him, obviously, love Hannah. So dude, that's so awesome. And I had no clue it was coming and then he texts us randomly because I wanted <laughs> we wanted to watch the game. Hey, I'm uh, proposing Saturday. So 
God, that's so awesome. And we love him. Miss him on the show tonight, but we'll be back soon. I guess show him some love on social media if you want, but shout out to our brother, Rye, for getting engaged, getting on one knee and... Pulled it off perfect. Yeah, he's the man. We love him. Um, Shout out to the Hawks. Hopefully the Chiefs win win another ring Sunday and rock chalk. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.